Today is the 12th day of December. Welcome to the Daily Audio Bible. I am Brian. It is fantastic to be here with you today as we all find a cozy place around this global campfire and keep warm together as we continue to move through this holiday season and continue our journey step by step, day by day. And our next step forward leads us back out into the book of Amos. We will actually be concluding the book of Amos today. And then we will be uh, continuing our journey through the book of Revelation. Uh, just a heads up. I've already, I'm have already. i not going to explain this every single day, but just for those kind of getting on board with what's going on here, we're covering a lot of territory between now and the end of the year. A lot of different books and like new material most every single day to talk about while at the same time we're moving through the book of Revelation which is one of the most tedious books to interpret in the Bible and so it's kind of go through the go through the minor prophets or go through the book of Revelation and sticking with the minor prophets helps us get, get the more comprehensive view of the entire Bible as we go through it in the year but one year, a few years ago, we did go through the book of Revelation. And I have gone back and kind of found those. And so if, you, if you're kind of looking for a scholarly, like how has, how has this passage been interpreted over the years? Like what are the major ways people have thought about this? And just kind of laying them out there without trying to land on a specific interpretation, kind of a, allowing us to wrestle with it ourselves. That's is being posted at the end of these programs each day. So after the prayers each day, at the very, very end, I'll come back on and we'll talk about Revelation for a little bit if you are interested in that, and that will be happening today. It doesn't happen every single day until the end of the year, but most days, and today is one of them. So that will be at the end, but we are at the beginning. And so let's dive in. Amos 7, 8, and 9 today. This is what the Lord God showed me. Behold, he was forming locusts when the latter growth was just beginning to sprout. And behold... It was the latter growth after the king's mowings. When they had finished eating the grass of the land, I said, O oh Lord God, please forgive. How can Jacob stand? He is so small. The Lord relented concerning this. It shall not be, said the Lord. This is what the Lord God showed me. Behold, the Lord God was calling for a judgment by fire and it devoured the great deep and was eating up the land. Then I said, Oh Lord God, please cease. How can Jacob stand? He is so small. The Lord relented concerning this. This also shall not be, said the Lord God. This is what he showed me. Behold, the Lord was standing beside a wall built with a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? 
And I said, A plumb line? Then the Lord said, Behold, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will never again pass by them. The high places of Isaac shall be made desolate, and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. And I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words, for thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel must go into exile away from his land. And Amaziah said to Amos, O seer, go, flee away to the land of Judah, and eat bread there, and prophesy there, but never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is the king's sanctuary, and it is a temple of the kingdom. Then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, nor a prophet's son, but I was a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore figs. But the Lord took me from following the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. Now therefore hear the word of the Lord, You say, Do not prophesy against Israel, and do not preach against the house of Isaac. Therefore thus says the Lord, Your wife shall be a prostitute in the city, and your sons and your daughters shall fall by the sword, and your land shall be divided up with a measuring line. You yourself shall die in an unclean land." and Israel shall surely go into exile away from its land. This is what the Lord God showed me. Behold, a basket of summer fruit. And he said, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a basket of summer fruit? Then the Lord said to me, The end has come upon my people Israel. I will never again pass by them. The songs of the temple shall become wailings in that day, declares the Lord God. So many dead bodies, they are thrown everywhere. Silence. Hear this, you who trample on the needy and bring the poor of the land to an end, saying, When will the new moon be over that we may sell grain? And the Sabbath, that we may offer wheat for sale, that we may make the ephah small and the shekel great and deal deceitfully with false balances, that we may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals and sell the chaff of the wheat. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their deeds. Shall not the land tremble on this account, and everyone mourn who dwells in it, and all of it rise like the Nile and be tossed about and sink again, like the Nile of Egypt? And on that day declares the Lord God, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. 
I will turn your feasts into mourning and all your songs into lamentation. I will bring sackcloth on every waist and baldness on every head. I will make it like the morning for an only son and the end of it like a bitter day. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. In that day the lovely virgins and the young men shall faint for thirst. Those who swear by the guilt of Samaria and say, As your God lives, O Dan, and as the way of Beersheba lives, they shall fall and never rise again. I saw the Lord standing beside the altar, and he said, Strike the capitals until the thresholds shake and shatter them on the heads of all the people. And those who are left of them I will kill with the sword. Not one of them shall flee away. Not one of them shall escape. If they dig into Sheol, from there shall my hand take them. If they climb up to heaven, from there I will bring them down. If they hide themselves on top of Carmel, from there I will search them out and take them. And if they hide from my sight at the bottom of the sea, there I will command the serpent and it shall bite them. And if they go into captivity before their enemies, there I will command the sword and it shall kill them. And I will fix my eyes upon them for evil and not for good. The Lord, God of hosts, he who touches the earth and it melts, and all who dwell in it mourn, and all of it rises like the Nile and sinks again like the Nile of Egypt, who builds his upper chambers in the heavens and founds his vault upon the earth, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out upon the surface of the earth. The Lord is his name. Are you not like the Cushites to me, O people of Israel, declares the Lord? Did I not bring up Israel from the land of Egypt, and the Philistines from Kaftor, and the Syrians from Kir? Behold, the eyes of the Lord God are upon the sinful kingdom, and I will destroy it from the surface of the ground, except that I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob, declares the Lord. For behold, I will command and shake the house of Israel among all the nations as one shakes with a sieve, but no pebble shall fall to the earth. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword, who say, Disaster shall not overtake or meet us. In that day I will raise up the booth of David that is fallen and repair its breaches and raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations who are called by my name, declares the Lord.
who does this. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes him who sows the seed. The mountains shall drip sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with it. I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel, and they shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink their wine, and they shall make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant them on their land, and they shall never again be uprooted out of the land that I have given them, says the Lord your God. Revelation 3, 7-22 And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write the words of the Holy One, the True One, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet and they will learn that I have loved you because you have kept my word about patient endurance. I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers... I will make him a pillar in the temples of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea writes, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove 
and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Psalm 131 I have calmed and quieted my soul. A song of ascents of David. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul Like a weaned child with its mother Like a weaned child is my soul within me O Israel, hope in the Lord From this time forth and forevermore Proverbs 29.23 One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. Father, we thank you for your word. Each and every day, we are here around the global campfire taking the next step forward and feasting together upon your word and inviting your Holy Spirit to plant it into the soil of our lives that it may yield fruit. That all over the world, we who have taken this journey day by day, step by step, are being transformed in our own ways, in our own contexts, in our own lives and stories, in our own countries and regions. And yet you are transforming each of us and making us look like you. And we embrace this. Sometimes it's this beautiful peace and awe, and sometimes it's painful correction, or we are confronted with the fact that we must repent, we must turn and go in a completely different direction, or we're headed for destruction, and yet your word is always there to lead and guide us. And your Holy Spirit is always here, no matter where we are, to correct and comfort us. So we are grateful for that. And we ask, Holy Spirit, plant the words that we have read today into the soil of our hearts, that it may be cultivated, and that it may spring forth and yield a harvest in our lives, one that is bountiful not only for us, not only that we are transformed, but because we are transformed, we become transforming agents. Because we have been changed, things change around us. Come Holy Spirit, lead us into all truth, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we ask. 
Amen. DailyAudioBible.com is home base. It is the website. It is where you find out what's going on around here, and it's Christmas time all around the global campfire. And so just reminding you of a couple of things, the Daily Audio Bible Family Christmas Box for 2022 is available in the Daily Audio Bible Shop. Obviously, we're getting down to it, and so this is the final week uh, where we can ship and it still arrive for Christmas. We'll ship until we run out of them, but this would be the, the week if you are domestic, if you are international outside of the United States, that deadline has passed. We will still ship, but that deadline has passed. So if you're thinking about the Daily Audio Bible Christmas box for 2022, go ahead and check that out this week. Uh, you can find it at dailyaudiobible.com or in the Daily Audio Bible app. Find the shop, and in the shop you'll find a Christmas category. And in the Christmas category, you'll find the Daily Audio Bible Christmas box. And so certainly check that out. And then uh, we've been talking about the Christmas music that is available for you to stream or play or insert into your playlists for the holiday season. And so a few things uh, you can find. An album called Christmas Time. And you would search for Maxwell Harden. That is the Christmas album we released uh, last year. Two great, great uh, feedback. It's very contemplative. I love it. I listen to it a lot. I've been listening to it a lot now that we're in this season. Then there is Family Christmas. And you can look for my name, Brian Harden, and you'll be able to find that uh, album as well. And then there are a couple of Christmas singles from my wife, Jill. Jill Parr, search for her. You'll find her Christmas music as well. And so insert that into your holiday uh, listening pleasure and bring the global campfire into the season with you. If you want to partner with the Daily Audio Bible, if what we've been doing here around the global campfire all year, coming together and experiencing the Bible read fresh every day and offered to whoever will listen, wherever they may be, whatever time it may be, and to build community around the rhythm of, of being here every day, showing up every day, of being around the global campfire together every day. If that is life-giving, thank you humbly for your partnership as we approach the season here and move toward the end of the year. There is a link on the homepage at dailyaudiobible.com. If you're using the app, you can press the Give button in the upper right-hand corner. Or the mailing address is P.O. Box 1996, Spring Hill, Tennessee, 37174. And as always, if you have a prayer request or encouragement, you can hit the hotline button in the app. Or you can dial 877-942-4253. And that's it for today. I'm Brian. I love you. And I'll be waiting for you here. Tomorrow. 
Hi family, this is Sally in North Dakota, one who loves to worship. I'm calling today to um, say and say to Dwayne from Wisconsin, oh my goodness, I heard your call today on December 8th and I was holding my breath as you were starting to share that you got a phone call and that you didn't know if you should answer it and, I, and oh my goodness, what joy. I I was feeling when you shared that Nathan got engaged. Oh my goodness. Um, yes, we have been continuing to pray for your children. And uh, this is such great news to know that he's being cared for and, and loved and taken care of. And um, that he's, um, he's giving back in return. He's... Um, knows what it's like to be in need and he's seen the needs of others and I just know that God is going to bless him God is going to bring him to a place of sweet intimacy with him um, because he's moved with compassion and that's what Jesus was moved by so I'm rejoicing with you my brother and uh, thank you Dwayne, for all your prayers for our children. Um, we love you, and we celebrate with you. Bye for now. Love you, family. Good morning, DAB. This is Janet from the UK. I'm sorry I'm, I'm on my walk, but I was just calling to give encouragement. I think it's people underwater. I, today is the 7th of December, and I'm pretty sure yesterday, the 6th of December, that his dad called um, to, to kind of tell us that he's going through a struggle, and then he called today um, to tell us the same thing. And I just want to encourage you, um, just... Be patient. It is rough, but don't take the easy way out. God is fighting for you. He, he just wants you to be patient. His mercies is going to come through. He's ne think about it. He's never failed you, and he will never, ever fail you. You are going to be fine, baby. I know that um, you know, your turmoil in your stomach, as you says, and I, God, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to calm those voices, to push them away from him, and let your son know that you are always there for him. You will never fail him. This is when you know that God is working for you. When the devil is trying to change you, the devil is trying to turn you away from what you know is the right thing, baby. And I pray that God will, you will recognize that God is in the middle of your battle. Do not fight that battle by yourself. You can't do it. Let God, let God fight your battle for you. He will fight it. He will calm all the storms. He he will give you peace, baby. Please don't give up on God. He has never given up on you. Please don't give up on God. God is there for you. He will take you through. There is nothing. Think about it. There is nothing that he cannot do. Allow him to be your father, your friend. Allow him to be your confidant. In Jesus' name. Hi, this is Rich in Exeter, UK, calling in response to people on the waters who left a message today on the 7th of December. I was calling to encourage you, hopefully. I found myself in a similar situation when I was at university. I was studying engineering and 
struggled to know whether to continue as I didn't like the subject and I was convinced that God had a bigger plan for my life. But what I've realised over the last 20 years since then is that God's plan and desire for you is that you trust him and that's all that's the main thing that he wants he wants our hearts to trust him I'm in a another situation now where due to a head injury I'm off work and have been for coming up a year I'm unemployed and unable to support my family but again God is just calling me to trust him and he has provided so I just encourage you please don't worry about the future just trust God and I know that's so much easier to say than to do I'm praying for you good morning family this is purely pampered of Maine it's been a few years since I called in but I'm here every day listening and praying for each of you that call in and for each of you that don't call in. Today is uh, Thursday, the 8th of December, and Dwayne from Wisconsin, thank you so much for calling and sharing the news about the message and then the phone call you had with your son Nathan after more than a year. I could not stop the tears of gratitude that filled my eyes and heart. Thank you so much, God. To those of us who have prodigals, who are estranged from our children, from our siblings, from our parents, from any of our family members, O oh, creator and sustainer of all that is, I pray. I pray you would pour out unconditional love and acceptance forgiveness and restoration into our family relationships. And I pray for the peace that goes beyond human understanding in the waiting process. Thank you, God. Amen. I love you, family. Bye for now. Good morning, DAB. This is Walking by Faith from New York City, and I am needing prayer for a situation in the co-op that I am living in, um, I just need the family to pray because I usually don't get um, riled over stuff, but I have been picked on immensely in this building, and um, I just need prayer. I need prayer um, as I wait for my property in Tennessee, because that's what I'm waiting for, to be able to, you know, um, the electricity to be put into the property that my husband and I bought, and so that, you know, I can finally leave New York. But I really need prayer. I would like to sell this apartment and be able to help my son find something. My dream would be that he would go with me to Tennessee and leave New York. So I just need direction, I need um, discernment, and I covered your prayers with these issues um, with the co-op board and um, with whether, um, you know, if I sell, um, where to find a place for my son and hopefully he'd go with me to Tennessee. 
because he has no one here in New York. And um, also that um, the situation with the land out there, the electrical and everything would finally just um, get done. I really appreciate it, family, and I apologize for calling in and just um, talking so much. All right. God bless you, and thank you. Okay, so we uh, are several days into the book of Revelation, and we've been just kind of looking at its layout because it begins with uh, seven small letters to seven distinct and individual churches. And we've moved through five of those, and we read the two remaining ones, the letter to the church in Philadelphia and the letter to the church in Laodicea today. So with the previous five little letters that we've read, Jesus affirms the different churches for things that they are doing well and then, and then corrects them on some other things. Some churches are holding true to the faith but have basically gone underground, while others have been very engaging in the culture but have, have been shaped more by culture than the other way around, them shaping uh, the environment that they're in. So with this letter to the church in Philadelphia, it's a little bit different. Jesus starts out saying the Holy One, the True One, the One who has the key of David, who opens and no one will close and closes and no one opens. So that's how he's describing himself. So this language, the One who has the key of David, we talked about that when we were reading the book of Hebrews. This servant, King David, who also was a priest in the order of Melchizedek, even though he was not from the tribe of Levi, this kind of understanding when applied to Jesus pretty much in the entire New Testament is messianic language. And we see that show up for the first time here in the book of Revelation in this letter to the church in Philadelphia. So Jesus is saying he's holy, he's true, he possesses the key of David, he opens and no one can close, and he closes and no one can open. And then he tells them, I know your works, which is what he tells the other churches. Because you have limited strength, have kept my word and have not denied my name. I have opened a door and no one is going to be able to close it. It's open to you. And he tells them to take notes, so pay attention. Those who are claiming to be Jews but are not, they're lying. They're from the synagogue of Satan and I will make them come and bow down at your feet. And they're going to know for sure that I have loved you which would be very, very encouraging words to this church at Philadelphia. But it also hearkens and causes us to remember some of the things that we were reading in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and 1st, 2nd Peter and Jude. But this forces us to acknowledge and see the debate that was going on. Who were the real and true Jews? On the one hand, you have uh, people who were born this way, so they can say, I'm Jewish by ethnicity. The majority of those Jews who were practicing Judaism did not recognize Jesus as Messiah or anything else but, but a rabbi, and many wouldn't even acknowledge that. So you have Jewish people who were born Jewish who have been practicing Judaism in one way or another, rejecting God to his face, basically, as they re reject Jesus. And you have uh, the writers of the New Testament basically saying, those people aren't true Jews. They've rejected God to his face. And on the other side of that coin, you have the, uh, practicing Jews who are doing all that they can to distance themselves from this, 
these people who follow Jesus, because in the wider culture, the Christians are just, uh, they're looked at as people who have come out of Judaism, who are part of the Jewish community. Even though in most cases, there were more Gentiles in in a family of faith than, than Jewish people. The religion itself is looked to be an offshoot of, of Judaism as part of Judaism. And the Jewish people are trying to say, no, that's not how it is. They, they have nothing to do with us. And this language that we find in the little letter to the church at Philadelphia seems to affirm, affirm that idea. And it's a big idea. Because what we see taking shape here is that God is forming a new family, a new people. And you come into this family, this door that can't be shut through Jesus and are welcomed into this new thing that God is doing. And it doesn't matter your ethnicity. It doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or a Gentile. So we can see some of the conflicts that we've, that we've been looking at throughout most of the New Testament finding their way here into the book of Revelation. And Jesus is affirming the church of Philadelphia in spite of all the marginalization and conflict that they've been enduring, both from the Jewish community and from the culture at large. They are staying true. They are staying engaged. They are bearing witness to the gospel of Christ. And they can walk through this door that no one can close. And then he encourages them further. Because you have kept my command to endure, I will also keep you from the hour of testing that is going to come over the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I am coming quickly. Hold on to what you have so that no one takes your crown. What we can't say for certain about this is, is it planet Earth? That's what it seems to be uh, written as. Or is it the world as they understand it? Is this a, a, a planet Earth tribulation? Or will this testing take place in uh, the Roman Empire? Or, or simply the known world? Scholars continue to debate that. Um, what kind of tribulation are we talking about? A spiritual one? A physical one? And how will the Church of Philadelphia be uh, spared? On the one side, you have those who, who are like, Jesus will come back and they will be spared. He tells them he's coming quickly, so he will come. And this has been called the rapture, which is a word that is uh, not used in the New Testament. Which is not to say that the concept can't be formed. It's just to say that word isn't used in the New Testament. Or were they going to be spared spiritually, protected spiritually, but perhaps would have to endure physical hardship? Because so much of the New Testament deals with endurance and, and suffering and staying true in spite of it. So like even John, in John's gospel, when we have the high priestly prayer of Jesus, Jesus says to the Father, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. I'm asking you to protect them from the evil one. And so this leads others to believe that this is about uh, a spiritual protection that takes place in our union with Christ. But no matter what this looks like, Jesus tells them if you're victorious, if they will hold on, if they will endure, they will be made pillars in the sanctuary of God and they'll never go out again. The name of God will be written on them and the name of the city, the new Jerusalem, that will come down out of heaven. And we'll hear more about that later. And then we get to the final of these seven little letters, the letter to the church at Laodicea. 
And Jesus introduces himself by saying, The Amen, the faithful and true witness, the originator of God's creation says. So, so this faithful and true witness language has, has been a theme to all the churches. What are they doing with the light? It's on the lampstand. What is their witness to, to Christ saying? And then he says that he's the originator of God's creation. That has been debated. Was he saying that he was the or- originator of the creation of the world as we know it? Or is he the originator of a new creation? This new family of God, where all are welcome through faith and not because of the origin of their birth. There are uh, commentators and scholars on, on both sides of that. But getting into the letter, we see that the, the note to, to the church in Laodicea is more pointed than any of the other letters. As Jesus said to other churches, he tells them, I know your works. But well, what their works are is that they are neither cold nor hot, and he wishes that they were cold or hot. But because they're lukewarm and neither cold or hot, He's going to spit them out of his mouth, which probably under any circumstances isn't a good thing to be hearing from Jesus. So it's not a good thing. The metaphor of hot or cold or lukewarm has also been a point of debate. So traditionally, you know, if you're on fire, if you're hot, then that's a good thing. And if you're cold, then that's not so much a good thing. And if you're lukewarm, if you're a mixture of the two, that's even the worst thing. And I basically grew up hearing it like that. But there are scholars who would say, no, this is rooted uh, to the place of Laodicea itself, the situation of the city itself. It was a good place for a city in terms of geography, but they didn't have a good freshwater supply. So they had to uh, pipe it in. So on the one hand, they were getting some of their water supply from places that had hot springs. And then maybe they were getting their water from other places that had, you know, fresh, cold, clean, life-giving water. But by the time it piped its way to another city, it, it wasn't cold anymore. It was, it was lukewarm. And so it wasn't palatable. The hot water coming in had become lukewarm. The cold water coming in had become lukewarm. In other words, it had gone from its original state to this kind of lukewarm, less palatable, less usable form, which would more accurately describe the state of the church at Laodicea that that Jesus is speaking of. And Jesus' assessment of the church at Laodicea contrasts pretty sharply with their own view of themselves. Jesus says, because you say, so like this is their assessment of their condition. I'm rich. I have become wealthy and need nothing. So they think they're doing pretty good. And Jesus is telling them, you don't know that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. So they seem to be uh, about as blind to their situation as we often find ourselves to be. They found a way to be economically prosperous, assimilating into the culture and probably reaping the benefits of that, and they think they're doing pretty good, 
And Jesus is advising them that they need to get their gold, right? So they need to get their, their wealth from, from a different source. Him. They should buy gold from him because it's a different kind of riches. They may think that they have material wealth and that they're, they're doing pretty well, but they're actually blind and poor spiritually. And they need to come to Jesus where they can get true wealth. So Jesus is being pretty pointed toward the church in Laodicea, but he does have a kindness. He tells them, look, I rebuke and discipline those that I love. So he's telling them, you know, even though, even though we got some pretty serious problems here and you've put yourself in pretty grave danger, I wouldn't be telling you this if I didn't love you. So he tells them, listen, you've, you've got to be committed. And you've got to repent. Which brings us to one of the famous passages in the book of Revelation. Listen, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and have dinner with him and he with me. And if you're victorious, I will give you the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I also won the victory and sat down with my father on his throne. I kind of always grew up thinking, uh, behold, I stand at the door and knock. This was uh, language uh, used to describe a person coming to Christ. But we can see that this is more language to the people who had kind of lost the plot. They had heard the good news, but had become lukewarm. So they started out one way and then had become another. But Jesus was saying that he still loves them and they can come back. They can repent. They can recommit themselves. He's been standing at the door and knocking. And if they'll hear his voice, that will be opening the door and he'll come and they can be victorious. So that, that gives us a, a little bit of a look at these seven letters to seven churches that give us uh, our introduction into the book of Revelation. And I have to tell you, every word of this book has been looked at from an academic and scholarship and theological perspective for so long that we could spend a good portion of our lives trying to unravel all of the nuances. Even in what we just talked about today, there are many cross-references to, to many places in the Bible, many places in the Old Testament, like the book of Ezekiel or the book of Daniel or the book of Isaiah, that provide the backdrop for all of this. So there's no way to touch on everything. What I'm trying to do is just keep us on track, because most biblical scholars would agree the book of Revelation is one of the more challenging books to follow. So I'm, uh, I'm trying to keep us moving forward, and uh, pointing out some things that you can dive in as deep as you want to go in your personal walk. Because a lot of people think a lot of things about this book. And we would do well to pay attention to what it is actually saying and what it is actually bringing up in us and inviting the Holy Spirit into that and following where the Holy Spirit leads us in that. So that's our prayer, Father, that your Holy Spirit would come as we continue to move forward day by day toward the end of the year, and as we watch those days dwindle down to where we only have uh, a few weeks left, we invite you to speak 
as strongly to us now as you have since the beginning of the year as we've gone through the entire Bible and lead us into all truth as you have promised. Come Holy Spirit, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.